Father God, we uh, do pray for our time now. Please, would there be no uh, practical distractions uh, to what we're hearing? Please, Father, would there be no uh, mental distractions? Would we not drift off? May we not tune out? Father, please, as we hear the most important truth from Jesus, please, would we not just hear it, but accept, grab hold of it, and live it out. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Every now and again, uh, I'm kind of asleep or just drifting off to sleep, and Amy will say, what, what was that? Was that the door? And my response every single time, every single time, is no. And to roll over and go back to sleep. Now, one time this happened, and we were both asleep, and was that our door? No. I roll over and go back to sleep. And a few minutes later, Amy kind of insists on that it was something, a door goes there, and, and it was the police who were banging on our door in the, in the middle of the night. In those kind of situations, though, why do I say no? Because in that moment, it's not the truth that is the most important thing to me. It is the consequence of the truth. You see, if there is someone at the door, that means I then have to get up out of my warm and comfy bed and go and have a look. I care more about the consequence of the truth than the truth itself. And unfortunately, I think that that can sometimes be a problem for us when it comes to Jesus. Sometimes I wonder if the first question we have when we hear from him isn't, is this true? But the question, perhaps even subconsciously we're asking is, what are the consequences of this being true? And of course, by asking that, what I'm really saying is, do I like the consequences if this is true and I accept it? Let me just give you just one example. Back in John 13, Jesus said, love one another just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. Hey, what a great verse. You know, as Jesus has loved us, so we are to love one another. And then when we start to think about the implications of that, it means, oh, hang on a sec. That means I've got to love that person who hurt me terribly and I really don't get on well with. Maybe not. So we end up kind of tuning out the, the, the whole of the verse. Or John 14, sorry, two examples. John 14, uh, Jesus said, Look, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Hey, that sounds kind of quite wonderful, doesn't it? But it is also a, you know, a challenge to our self-sufficiency, perhaps to a knock to our pride. And so maybe it gets forgotten. So I guess the question is the truth or the consequences of the truth, which is more important to us? Since we were last with Jesus and his disciples, uh, they've finished their meal together, Jesus prayed to his Father, and then they've headed out into Gethsemane. And Jesus uh, was arrested. The betrayal of Judas had kind of come together. Jesus was arrested, and he's been quizzed by the Jewish high priests. And as we saw prophesied a few weeks back, Peter, that most, in a sense, faithful of servants of Jesus, has denied him three times. It's now, as we join in chapter 18, it's now Friday, Good Friday, early in the morning. And Jesus is on trial. He is on trial before Pontius Pilate. 
the, the Roman governor of Judea. And Jesus, if I have the first slide, please, Jesus is in the dock, as well. Do you understand what I, I mean by that? You know, the dock where the accused stands? Well, Jesus is on trial. Jesus is in the dock. And uh, you can see from your handouts, if you got them, that's kind of where we're going today. If I could have the next slide there. It's not an ordinary court scene, though, because you see that they are at Pilate's headquarters. And it's a bit of a strange situation. You see, um, Pilate is trying to work out what the charges against Jesus are. So verse 29, so Pilate went outside to them and said to them, what accusations do you bring against this man? See, because the, the Jews had refused to go into Pilate because to go into the kind of house of a, a Gentile would have made them unclean. And they wanted to celebrate the Passover feast. And so Pilate is kind of having to, to go out to them. And we're immediately alerted to the weakness of their case. By their answer, verse 30, they answered him, if this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. They don't answer his question. It's, kind of, it's a bit kind of childish. Sarcastic. They might have a weak case, but there is no hiding what they are after. They hand him over to Pilate, because in verse 31, they want to put him to death. This is what they want. They've got no substantive charge against him, but they want him gone. And for the first of many times in uh, these verses, we see that despite appearances, Jesus is still very much in control. Because verse 32, this was to fulfill the words that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. I'll have the next slide. Back in chapter 10, um, Jesus had, had said this, uh, and, what, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show what kind of death he was going to die. You see, Jesus knew and had decided he knew he was going to die, and he, he determined that he was going to be lifted up. That was kind of a picture of crucifixion, raised up on a cross. And so even though Jesus is on trial, being fixed up by the Jews, sent to the Romans, this is all carrying out Jesus' plan. Pilate then, having spoken to the, the, the Jews, then goes back in to Jesus to question him. And here, if I have the next slide, is Jesus in the dock. And the question is, is uh, the, the issue at stake is, well, is Jesus a king? And so Pilate asks in verse 33. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? And it's a kind of incredulous statement. It's, are you, that's the emphasis on the you, are, are you the king of the Jews? You can't, can't, kind of, can't quite imagine it. But if he were, well, this would be a serious charge. This could be a threat to the Roman rule. And so that is what Pilate is trying to determine. But Jesus clarifies in verse 36. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not have been delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. 
Do you notice Jesus doesn't deny that he's a king? He's just saying that his kingdom isn't a threat to the kingdom of Rome. Because Jesus' kingdom, at least not straight away, Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. He says it twice. I'm not a threat to Rome. And the, the, the lack of his followers fighting for him was proof of that. And there's no lengthy deliberation for Pilate. It doesn't take him long to come to his conclusion. He, the judgment is, va- is made. So verse 38, um, the, the second half of the verse there, after he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. Have the next slide there. Not guilty. Didn't take him long. Not guilty. And in fact, he says that twice more in, in chapter 19, verse 4 and 6 as well. No guilt in him. Not guilty. But come back with me and just look at verses 37 and 38, which are so crucial to this passage. So Jesus just said that my kingdom is not of this world. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Now in, those, uh, in the original there was no punctuation, so the um, the translators have put the question mark. It could be a question, it could be a statement. So, so you are the king. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? Jesus, yes, he is a king, but not, a politi- not for a political or military uprising. He's the king who's come to speak truth. And the end of verse 37 is, is a statement of fact. He says, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. That's a statement of fact. Those who are of the truth will listen to Jesus. But it is also a challenge to Pilate's. There's also saying to, look, Pilate, are you going to listen to the truth? And so, yes, at first it seems as though it is Jesus in the dock. He is on trial, and he is. But actually, uh, if I have the next, head, next slide, please, it is Pilate who is in the dock. He is the one on trial. That those who are, who are of the truth will listen to my voice. Pilate will you. And with Pilate in the dock, I think we learn two things about him. Firstly, he is more concerned about the consequences of the truth than the truth itself. Let me say that again. He is more concerned with the consequences of the truth than the truth itself. And secondly, despite all the appearances of strength, he is powerless to do even what he wants to do. So despite all the appearances of strength, he is powerless to do what he wants to do. We're going to see those two things as we go through now. Look again at at, at the beginning of verse 38, because Pilate's response to Jesus saying, are you going to listen to my truth? Pilate's response is, well, Pilate said to him, what is truth? What is truth? Now, every commentator, every person who writes commentary on this, kind of has a different idea of how Pilate said this. You know, was it the kind of um, the postmodern, what is truth that he was saying? Or was it the kind of border, what is truth? 
Was it frustrated? What is truth? Was it sincere? What is truth? I think, probably, for what it's worth, mine is this kind of disillusioned, kind of, what is truth? Because his actions are revealing. He goes straight on in the second half of verse 38. After he had said this, he didn't hang around to listen for an answer. No, he went back outside to the Jews. He doesn't really care. What is truth? It doesn't matter. What is truth? Truth is clearly the last thing on Pilate's mind. He has declared Jesus innocent. He, has, he wants to let Jesus go. But he doesn't. He doesn't. Why? Well, because he is worried about the consequence of the truth. If Jesus is innocent and he lets him go, well, there's going to be kickback. The Jewish people and their leaders are going to kick off, going to make life difficult for Pilate. And as we'll see later, word might get back to Rome and Caesar's position might um, be in trouble. He's in charge of keeping the peace and he's worried about what will happen if he upsets the locals. What is truth? The consequences of the truth matter more to him than the truth itself. And the issue of, so, so the reaction of the Jewish leaders mattered more to him than the truth of Jesus' innocence. And the issue of Jesus of being a king of this other kingdom, well, he's not even going to listen because that would bring up far too many problems uh, for his position in the kingdom of Rome. So Pilate, he, well, he, he has what he thinks is a kind of clever idea. You see, there's this local custom that at the Passover, which was the kind of main Jewish feast, at the Passover, um, the, the Romans would release a prisoner um, from prison back to uh, the people. And he has this man, Barabbas. And uh, John only just tells us one thing about Barabbas. He's a robber. If you read the other Gospels, we see him described as a murderer and a, an insurrectionist. That is somebody who um, was part of a violent uprising. So a real piece of work. And, and Pilate thinks, well, look, we'll go to the people and who do you want released? This kind of violent, horrible troublemaker or Jesus, this healing, uh, good teacher. And he thinks, well, this is perfect. The people are going to say, release Jesus. He can go to the people, uh, to the leaders and say, look, it wasn't me, it was the people who decided. Perfect. But no. Verse 40. They cried out again, not this man, Jesus, but Barabbas. Oh. Plan didn't work. So Pilate tries another trick. Right, well, let's mess Jesus up good and proper. And that will satisfy the, the, the leaders. And the, the soldiers, well, they take to their task with gusto. So in chapter 19, verse 1, they flog Jesus, a horrendous treatment. Sometimes it, we kind of uh, drew blood to the bone. Um, people were known to die from it. It's awful flogging. And then verse 2 and uh, 3, the, the soldiers mock Jesus. Now, how sadly, and I, but ironically, their words and actions speak far more truth than, than they know. You see in verse 2, they, they put a crown on his head. Here's the king, but it's a crown of thorns. And they, they say, hail the king of the Jews while striking him. But then after this brutal treatment, 
mocking treatment well, well Pilate brings Jesus out to the, the Jews and said so right they're going to be satisfied now so verse 5 uh, so Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe and Pilate said look behold the man when the chief priests and the officials saw him they cried out crucify him crucify him Pilate's second plan doesn't work and then Pilate has another exchange with Jesus where, again, his weakness is highlighted. But then just look at the pitiful summary of Pilate in verse 12. Uh, from then on, Pilate sought to release him. He tried as, as he could, but then the Jews fired the, the kind of magic bullet, the, the nail in the coffin in the second half of verse 12. If you, Pilate, release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. Truth? What truth? What is truth? What does it matter? If he sets Jesus free, well, word is going to get back to Caesar that Pilate is accepting and allowing threats to him. And that's going to be game over for Caesar. And so... Pilate, he kind of has one last try at the end of verse 14. He said to the Jews, behold your king. They cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said, look, shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answers, we have no king but Caesar. So Pilate delivered him over to them to be crucified. Pilate is more concerned about the consequences of the truth than the truth itself. For him, the cost of siding with Jesus was too great. And despite all the appearances of strength, he is absolutely powerless to do what he wants to do. If you notice, I counted it. Pilate asks ten questions throughout these verses. And he barely ever gets a straight answer. So if you back in chapter 18, verse 29, the first question, look, what accusations do you bring against this man? They don't answer. They just say, look, if he wasn't doing evil, we wouldn't have brought him here. He then, in verse 33, says to Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, did you say this, or did somebody else tell you that? And then um, chapter 19, verse 9, uh, Jesus, um, he entered the headquarters again and said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. <laughs> You've got no respect from anyone there. And, and he's, almost, he's doing the hokey-cokey. I don't even notice this. He's in, he's out, he's in, he's out. He's not quite shaking it all about. But did you notice, he, 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 this is not a man in control. They wouldn't come into him. Come in or go away. You choose. No, okay, he goes out to them and then goes into Jesus. Then he goes out to them and he, he is going back and forth like a yo-yo. This is not a man in control. He's not interested in the truth and he is powerless to do what he wants. Now the next slide, for time's sake, we're, we're actually not really going to cover this one, but, but actually also we find the Jews in the dock, and they too are guilty, guilty of the most outrageous hypocrisy, committed to rejecting Jesus. So just right at the beginning, do you see that? They wanted to stay ceremonially clean before God so they could celebrate the Passover, but they had no problems with lying, deceiving, and murdering God's son. They choose Barabbas over Jesus. 
and at the end there in chapter 19 verse 15 they say something unthinkable for the Jews <laughs> this is like the, the thing that they, they hate so much this oppression, this rule of Rome and yet they say we have no king but Caesar Jesus in the dock mm, yes but, but not really Pilate is in the dock the Jews are in the dock but you know what, there's one more have the next slides us we in a sense are in the dock now how are we going to respond to Jesus the king and the truth that he speaks have the next slides maybe this kind of diagram will help you explain um, uh, what I was kind of saying a little bit earlier about how this happens you know so Jesus speaks he speaks the truth and kind of whatever particular bit of it where we're saying and then here we are down the bottom have the next one. Oh, that one's gone a bit AWOL but never mind well, what should be um, our main focus and main priority is that truth grabbing hold of that truth Jesus is the one who says it and what he said have the next slide but, but unfortunately usually what happens is we're more concerned actually with other things Let's have the next one there please guys Never mind, it's coming. We're more concerned with other things, and then another one, we're more concerned about the consequences of that truth than the truth itself. I was listening to something this week of a, a minister who spends a lot of his time running um, courses, like our Christian Foundations course. And he was saying that but at, the end of, at the end of the course uh, that, that he runs with, with non-Christians who are looking into Christian things, over the years, so, so, so rarely do people say to him, you know what, the evidence just isn't good enough. And so I'm not going to follow Jesus. So, so, so rarely that happens to him. What happens actually at the end of these courses is that people, they don't want to listen to Jesus. They don't want to follow him. You see, the cost of following Jesus would, would be too much they wouldn't want to give up things in their lives. And so they don't. It's not the truth, but it's the consequence of this truth. And I guess the question is, well, it's, perhaps that's you this morning. Maybe you're looking into Christian things. And the issue isn't, is Jesus who he says he is? Did Jesus do what he said he did? Actually, the question is, are you going to accept that truth? Are you going to accept the challenge to give up everything to follow him and to trust in him and him alone? Not just the truth, but the consequence of the truth. Will the truth be the most important thing? But you know what, as Christians, we have that same dilemma. Every single Sunday morning, when you come in, you are faced with this dilemma. Every single morning, afternoon, evening, when we sit down by ourselves and read the Bible, we have this same dilemma. Every time we read a good Christian book or whatever it might be, will the truth win out? Or will the cost be too much? Will we accept Jesus and his words? Or will we ignore it? Reject it outright? Or just kind of just leave it a bit fuzzy and then forget about it? 
And sadly, isn't it, isn't it right that so often we are, are weak and powerless, even when we, when we do want to accept Jesus and the truth and we do want to live it out and we find our own weakness and inability to do that, just like Pilate. Well, if you're like me, I'm sure you can think of many occasions when through weakness or through that deliberate choice, we've gone, actually, no, I'm not going to grab hold of that truth. Well, please do feel the challenge of this. But, but more importantly, what are we going to do with it? Will we come to Jesus with it? Because actually, even when there is that, that inclination there, we, we are so often weak to do it. But Jesus died in the place of weak, guilty rebels. That's pictured so clearly and so vividly in these verses with Barabbas. And Barabbas, if I have the next slide there, Barabbas was heading to the cross. He deserved to be on the cross. He was guilty of rebellion and rejection. And yet, in the next slide, in his place, Jesus, the innocent one, the innocent king, dies. So vividly there in a picture, Barabbas could literally say, Jesus died in my place. But all Christians say the same thing. Jesus died in my place. Me, guilty. Me, weak. Me, the one who so often doesn't love and cling to the truth. Yet Jesus died in my place. Jesus, uh, as uh, the, the, the reason for Jesus saying wanted to be lifted up, wanted to die on the cross, is a verse in the Old Testament that speaks of being cursed as the one who hangs on a tree. You see, because Jesus dying in our place wasn't, uh, his people's place wasn't just um, a nice example or anything like that. No, he was taking God's curse. He was taking the punishment upon himself. The, the punishment that I deserve as a guilty rebel, as a weak um, one who so often is more concerned with the consequence of the truth than the truth itself. But Jesus died in the place of those who come and fall before him. And so that is what we do. Yes, feel the challenge of grabbing hold of the truth whenever we hear it. But equally come and run to Jesus when we don't. So here we've had Jesus in the dock, Jesus on trial. Is he guilty? No, Pilate three times, he's innocent. But he is a king. He is a king. He's a king who's come to speak truth. How are we going to respond to that truth? The pilots, like the Jews, will we grab hold of this truth, hear his voice, and accept him? Let's pray that will be true for us. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Father, please would we be those who do listen to Jesus' voice listen, accept, grab hold of, love and live out the truth whenever we hear it. Thank you so much for Jesus dying in the place of guilty people to bring forgiveness for those times that we don't. Please would we cling to him and him alone. Amen.